everyone, welcome to another episode of Dublin Tech Talks. As always, we're really proud to be supported by Icon Accounting. Um, if you don't know, Icon provide full range of services for any professional contractors. So if you are a contractor or are thinking about contracting, you should reach out to them and they'd be happy to help with any of your queries. Today on this episode, I'm joined by Albert Baker. Albert is the co-founder and COO of Donalto. Um, so Donalto operate in the IoT space at their core. It's a low power asset and personnel tracking system, which uh, addresses a gap around open spaces and industrial settings. So much, much more than that. So really looking forward to hearing um, about Albert's journey so far and the plans for Donalto for the future. Thanks, Albert. Appreciate you joining us today. Um, so I guess, you know, b- before we jump into Donalto and, and how the business came about, do you want to just tell us a little bit about your own background? Yeah, sure. Great to be here, David. Thanks a million. So my background is in computer science and then into mobile telecoms. So I worked for O2 and Ericsson uh, here in Ireland for about 10 years. So I have an engineering background. Um, I then about six years ago went back into academia, did a master's in the School of Engineering, ended up working in the research centre in Trinity, which was originally the National Telecoms Research Institute, it's now called Connect, um, and got into some startup, uh, you know, innovation research in there and ended up forming a spin-out company uh, in 2017. And that brings me up to today where I'm a co-founder of of Donalto in the Internet of Things space. What well, what's that environment like? I just for anyone who who's never had a look on the inside. I mean that that kind of research end of things is it must be pretty interesting, right? A lot of stuff getting kicked about. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. So like coming from big corporate, like you know, it's very different. There's a lot of innovation. You know, it's sort of a blue sky thinking and all the rest. Um, and there's a little bit of a disconnect between that sometimes and industry like an enterprise, you know. Mm. But um, I think one of the most interesting things is taking some of that research and trying to commercialize it. And that's what, you know, if you can marry the two of those things, you can kind of, you can form teams, you can meet people, start companies, you know, you can get backing. Dublin, like Ireland is a very vibrant place to get backing for a startup whereby you'll have industry experience and you might have some intellectual property gain from research from a, from a university or something but the environment itself like really um you know uh nourishing and like really inventive and stuff like that you know and that i'm just speaking from the technology and the telecom side but yeah yeah i think i mean you know for a long time from a telecoms perspective and you know the evolution of that into into software and services um you know, we've got a great track record and, and some really good success stories. Um, so I guess w- when we come on to Donalto and, and how that idea came about was, you know, that that kind of the uh, the origin question, right? Is it a technology, yeah. you know, looking for a problem to solve or a problem, you know, which which has a technology solution? So, I mean, for a lot of people, the IoT, you know, their experience or understanding of, of IoT has never really gone behind that concept of the fridge that orders the milk for you, right? But it's it's a yeah. huge industry now and and the, the real world applications of of the concept are are you know are are uh, unlimited. So how did you come ar- across this problem and, and what helped you join the two things up? Yeah, yeah. So like having a background in telecoms and being exposed to consumer behavior you now, using handsets and all the rest. 
mm-hmm. was really beneficial. And then obviously IoT is a different slant altogether. It's like much larger scale of devices connecting anything, uh, possibly with small amounts of data going across a network to a gateway on a different type of radio technology 10 kilometers away. It could be a sensor in a bin or a drain lasts 10 mm-hmm. years. So a totally different spin on the whole communication space. So that was sort of an emerging trend around 2015, 16. And uh, I worked on a government-led project, a Science Foundation Ireland project called Pervasive Nation. And that was about um, just build a network for the country using these new technologies and see who wants to use it and who can come up with ideas, you know, to use it in some novel way. Mm-hmm. But IoT in general, yeah, people didn't know what it was. There, there's, there's been, it's, it was probably a bit late, you know, I was going to conferences 2016, 17, 18, and this, you could see the same slides coming, um, coming along, but it's definitely turned a corner and it's been adopted largely in industry, mm-hmm. uh, heavy industry, like manufacturing, those types of industries. Uh, consumer mm-hmm. has, a, has a little bit to go, but obviously we've got Alexa and Google Home mm-hmm. and um, you know many, many more things, Amazon Ring, uh, all these types of devices that are talking to the internet for us. So... It's a huge space. Um, you know, it can mean so many different things. Yeah. Our company's really interested in the low power aspect of the IoT. So by that, I mean those sensors that you put out in the field and you forget about them. They might send a little ping every few hours, mm. but they'll last there for years. You know, they cost, you know, $20 and they'll give a, like a, maybe they'll give a city council or they'll give a business a really important piece of information over a long period of time. Mm. that's the space we're in then you've got uh you know broadband iot like a connected car that's sending Mm. gigabytes of data up every day that's a very very heavy bandwidth so Mm. you've got this whole spectrum of what's going on um so yeah it's pretty fragmented you know and then you've got within that industry you've got the sensor manufacturers Mm. you've got the network infrastructure guys and then you've obviously got all the software platforms So it's to find out where you fit in that space as well. And yeah, um, I suppose there's there's yeah. there's certain elements that happen on the fringe that all push it, you know, further along, like yes. edge computing and quantum computing, and you know, even on from a social perspective, the, the real focus and drive around sustainability, I guess, has been a, a kickstart for for certain you know aspects of the industry as well. So so is it is it something to I mean we're very broad here, right? We're talking about IoT generally, but you know, is it is it um, something where you think we really that critical mass is is still out of view yet? We haven't really seen what the what the true potential is. No, I think there is. Like uh, most of our projects have been in the public sector, and a lot of public money has gone into, like you said, there sustainability, environmental monitoring, and some of those um, RFPs, you know, like public tenders, actually stipulate we want you to use the Internet of Things, we want you to use low power networks. So that's all changing. Mm-hmm. A little bit more so in the UK, probably, but um, they are really kind of pushing that agenda now. So, um, you know, you see these large smart metering, like they're the big, big contracts that Mm. IoT players want to get involved in. Um, And then you've got all sort of spin-off use cases from that. So smart lighting across our city, that's seen as a large IoT rollout, you know. Mm. And then, so you've, you've mentioned the low power aspect as, as kind of, you, you know, your specialism. What, so what is, you know, useful about that? And, you know, why are other people, you know, not already in that space? Or what yeah, you yeah. So the, the radio technologies are relatively new, like 2015, 2016. 
So you've got low power wide area networking. That's like an umbrella name for the technology, like the family technologies. Mm-hmm. And under that, you've got Sigfox, LoRa, Naraband IoT. So um, where it came from really was, you know, okay, we're gonna, we're not gonna need to make a phone call or send an image or a video. We want a little bit of data, you know, every yeah. few minutes for a number of years. And uh, it was about kind of like finding the use cases where that fits. So if you think about like flood monitoring for cities, mm-hmm. if you think about um, location services for unpowered assets. So you're going to track your really expensive JCB <clears throat> on a construction site. But what about the lower value assets? Um, is there now a low cost enough sensor and a low power enough sensor to track that around the place? And the reason being is if you have a battery the last four or five years, the whole the cost of the whole solution goes down. Reason mm-hmm. being, you don't have to go changing batteries, you don't have to recharge batteries or swap out a device. So the low energy thing is is a is a big element. And obviously then the whole sustainability, you don't really want to be using as many batteries as before. Of course, yeah. Um, so that's the low power aspect. And then the, the piece that we're particularly interested in is location actually. So using these networks on their own without using GPS or Wi-Fi or Bluetooth to actually find out the location of these little sensors that will move around. It might be on a pallet, it might be on a person, um, and you use that data to help the business uh, optimize its operations, you know. And then I'll, I'll, I'll come on to that in a second, just yeah. in terms of what the applications for the customer have been for that. But but what, what was the gap that you saw around, you know, how this technology was being used? Yeah, the big barriers were to adoption were like price, mm. complexity, and then, you know, the ongoing headache of having to maintain these types of solutions. So if I've got like 750 workers on a mine mm-hmm. um, and they all have, uh, if you think of a Garmin watch, you know, how long does the battery last? So like, I really want to know their location from a health and safety point of view or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the gap was, you know, it was uh, expensive and I would have to recharge 700 of these watches every week or rely on my employees to do that when that's not really their core task. Mm-hmm. So how do you make the Internet of Things simple for people to adopt? So what we actually ended up focus, uh, focusing on was lots of tools to make sure they can uh, monitor all of these tags, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the whole low power aspect comes into it. But that, like, that was the real gap, David. Mm-hmm. And, and am I right in saying that with that technology as well, you've got additional winds around you know how it can penetrate through you know physical structures where, where some of the the other um you know high power technologies are limited and what they can yeah see that's it yeah exactly it. yeah so they mainly operate in the um unlicensed bands and they operate at long range mm. so whereby like where i'm sitting at home now i'd need to have a 3g or 4g mass within 500 meters of my home mm-hmm. a sensor could talk to a gateway which is about five kilometers away Okay. So they have this long range nature to the whole thing and they can penetrate indoors and things like that much better than other technologies. So again, what that means is you're reducing the complexity. You don't have to put out lots of infrastructure to support these sensors or tags that are moving around your warehouse or whatever. You may only need to put out one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just simplifying it. Again, it can't do everything. The trade-off is it's going to ping you you know, a few hundred bytes, it's going to ping you a few numbers, maybe a temperature or a vibration or a location, something like that. But that's it. You yeah. won't get high bandwidth. Yeah. But those things in, you know, when that data is accumulated over time, gives good insights or if there's a, a huge change or 
a spike in a temperature or a, a sudden move in a location, you know, from a, you know, in a more high risk physical environment, for instance, that they are important data points to have nonetheless, right? Yeah. And like, it's, it's interesting you say that. So the, the IOT data, right, is only one part of the puzzle. That data has to be relevant enough to change something so that so they see the benefit. And the other thing is that data is very useful, but you can correlate it then. So they might take, um, on the, the flood example is a good one. So they'll take data from each of these drains that have these sensors in them. Mm -hmm. They'll correlate it with rainfall data from an API from weather.com, let's say. So let's say this amount of rainfall caused this drain to flood for this amount. Of, so it was flooded for mm -hmm. two hours and we got this um, amount of rainfall. So if you correlate those two, then they can look forward into the following week and say, okay, we're getting the same amount of rainfall. We should clean that gully or drain before it actually yeah. floods. Otherwise, it's going to block that road. So that, that's where the data starts causing an action, mm. you know, because it is only one part of it, you know. Yeah, good. And then, so, I mean, you've mentioned health and safety. There's, there's um, smart city planning. Like, um, have you been surprised or anything you can share anecdotally about how you've perhaps given the technology to a customer and they've done something unexpected with it? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned sustainability. Like, I never really uh, predicted that we'd be involved in so many energy monitoring projects. <laughs> There's like, uh, it was a good, great project last year uh, we were very proud of. It was in Scotland. It was a public sector project. And it was around um, schools and libraries and public buildings and taking energy, uh, electricity, um, you know, measurements, CO2 measurements, temperature. And they use all of that data now with their building management system data to take these old buildings and they're sort of um, trying to digitize them and build models mm -hmm. of them and use them yeah. more efficiently. You know, the whole green green message. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we helped them get set up and now they're using that data to really change how those buildings are managed. So um, we did a large project with the SEAI, Smart Home. Um, and again, you know, we, we were taking a few data points. We kind of scraped data from these hard-to-reach places over a long period, you know. And then they're using that data to see, okay, um, how effective is renewable energy? So solar panels on all our houses. Mm -hmm. um, how much electricity do they actually generate? And does they it make great. sense? Sorry? They look great, yeah. But that's they look great. Yeah. And we all get a lot of sunshine, obviously, but <laughs> they... Um, you know, they wanted to measure that across 300 homes with the view to looking at the next half a million homes and yeah. do they give grants for the next bunch of solar panels. So mm. it was really, it was really kind of encouraging to see IoT data is going to be used to benchmark like all these forward thinking projects. So, mm. And then so um, like, I guess, as you take new customers on and you're getting involved in all these different projects, I mean, has that led to a pivot in your thinking? I mean, the, the, the gully product, the storm drain thing, was that something that was in a, you know, in, in someone's mind all along or was this stuff that was influenced by customers? Do you, do you learn as you go? Yeah. You, you usually start off with like, you know, one use case and then it'll kind of go from, they might see a bit of the data and then they, they want a slightly different data point or they want to marry it up with a different mm -hmm. uh, data source. So we have a platform that sort of kind of ties all that together for them. But what we've seen is <clears throat> we started off with, you know, the flood and the energy monitoring, mm -hmm. but location services are huge. Mm -hmm. So, you know, over half of all of the, of all IOT devices don't have any location reported. So you, can take, you can take a location of a sensor, which is on a pallet or 
you know, a person and use that data for lots of different things. So we're focusing on a platform that you can, where you can see all of your temperature sensors or whatever they are, and then feed back the location mm. uh, to that customer as well. So you okay. can positioning intelligence really is the name of the space, but um, it took us a couple of years to realize that that's kind of a really important um, part to all of these devices. Cause you're talking about millions and millions of devices mm. left out in the field. If you don't know where they are, how do you manage them? How do you understand the data better? You know, mm-hmm. Um, just a kind of a pivot slightly from from what we've been talking about, but just because I know a lot of people are interested and there's over the last year, as we see with any kind of difficult period, there's been a lot of forced entrepreneurs. You know, we've got a very lucky mm-hmm. to have a very entrepreneurial um, mindset, but a lot of people, their hand has been forced. You know, when when you were setting up the business, I mean, did it organically happen that you just got together with the other founders and people who, who are responsible for different parts of the business or how did you go about kind of taking this business and putting the right team around you? Taking the leap. Well, it's always good to, I suppose, try and fail fast. Like I had another startup, just me and one other person before Donalto. Um, we lasted about a year and a half and we made all the classic mistakes. You know, we raised some money from Enterprise Ireland and everything and mm-hmm. it went fine. We didn't have the right team, right mm-hmm. set of skills. We did a little bit of business. So you know folding that up after a year and a half and you, like you put so much into a startup but then learning okay for the next one maybe we need to do things differently so mm-hmm. no i definitely always wanted to do it i always wanted to be you know a small company um you know you can really make an impact if you if people are looking to work in a startup um, you have to put in more but you get out you know so much more uh, i think than you can in large large companies um mm-hmm. but yeah it's uh it's not really an always an organic thing you have to have a mix of industry market technology something different yeah. you want to disrupt mm-hmm. if you want if you're looking to raise money it has to be very unique you know if you can so yeah there's i mean you know now more than ever there's a laser focus on the commercial proposition yeah. for uh put their hand in their pocket which is no surprise really yeah so i guess you know you've had a, an interesting few years what where are you now and what's next for the business you know locally or or internationally yeah so we're 15 people now here in dublin and um we're uh you know as a startup is we're always um trying to look towards our next uh, round of funding and um by the end of next year we plan to be uh, at least 35 people so we're growing and uh we're kind of trying to build on you know, a couple of fruitful years, a couple of tough years, and then a couple of finally, you know, mm-hmm. kind of fruitful years with, with uh, doing some business. Um, UK and Europe will be our large markets, and uh, we're a very kind of partner-focused business. So we'll work with partners who can use our solution, you know, mm-hmm. anywhere. You know, the US and Canada is a big market. So we'll be hiring uh, quite heavily on the technology side. Most of our team are software engineers. Um, we have to do a bit on the hardware because we're obviously in the, in the Internet of Things. But um, of we're certainly uh, planning to uh, double our size now in the next 12 months. Good. So, look, I mean, if anyone is interested in the product, you know, from a customer perspective or partnership, um, or if someone is interested in talking to you more about, you know, the business itself, they should just uh, reach out to you on LinkedIn. I'm sure you'd be happy to. Yeah, I'd love to talk to them. Questions, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to talk to them, yeah. yeah. Good. Look, Albert, thanks so much for that. Um, it's it's always good to hear 
um, about the ones that work out and not the previous one that you had to, <laughs> to jack in. So uh, let's hope it, um, it continues to go well and, and best luck with all. Thanks for sharing that. Today. Thanks, David. Thanks a lot. Thanks again, Albert. Um, and thanks to everyone for, um, for watching again. So look, as always, if you've got an interesting story to tell about your business or anything in the startup space, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, likewise, if there's topics you'd like to hear about um, in the virtual meetups, just drop us a mail and let us know or message us on any of the social channels. So we will be back with some virtual meetups and a little bit more of the bite-sized interview content um, over the next few weeks. So um, thanks again.